miss you. I miss you. Wow. <laughs> nice. Nice touch. That wasn't part of the first service. Nice. How are we doing? Well, it is, it is really great to be here today here. This is going to be a little distracting. There we go. Good. It is, it is really great to be here with you today. Uh, I miss you. I miss Gateway. I miss my friends here. Uh, we miss Austin. Uh, the only problem with coming just for a weekend is there aren't enough meals for all the food that I want to eat. So far, we've had Mighty Fine. We've had Chewies. I'm going to get P. Terry's. We're doing Papacitos tonight. And my body can't keep up with this. So I need to come for longer stretches of time. Uh, but it really is good to be with you all here today. Uh, it's been three years since we moved, uh, which is amazing. Uh, it goes, goes quickly. Uh, a lot happens in three years. Got a couple of photos to show you, kind of fun. Uh, coming up on the screen, this is my daughter and my son. Uh, my daughter, Ellie, my son, Chase. Yes, give him a hand. Fantastic kids. My daughter, Ellie, uh, the good news is she made it back to Texas in record time. Two years. She's graduating all the way back. Now, the bad news is if you zoom in on her face here, you'll see a little TCU rather than a UT uh, for you all here. But uh, yeah, she's uh, a horned frog at uh, TCU. We went on the tour for TCU, and they said, we're the only college in the whole world who has a horned frog as its mascot. I was like, shocking. I'm like, that's amazing <laughs> to me. Uh, my son, Chase, uh, is doing fantastic things in theater. That's him and this past year's musical. Yeah, great kid. He's uh, going to be a senior in high school this year. Very proud of both of them. Uh, then here's the whole family coming up. Uh, on the far left, you got Tex. Uh, he's three. Far right, you got Rocket. He's 13. They share the same birthday, 10 years apart. Happens to be John Burke's birthday as well. So a uh, little bit of trivia there that you needed to know. Uh, my wife, Deb... Absolutely amazing. She works in our church as well, uh, giving leadership in our recover ministry and some other areas, helping people get out of addictions and, uh, and kind of messed up relational patterns and such. Uh, so she's doing some amazing things. Uh, she just had a birthday. She's 29 again, so, uh, and she doesn't even look 21. So I was thinking, yeah, you can woo that. That's good. So I was thinking about, uh, thinking about being here. And you know when you haven't seen a friend in a while, there's a question that you ask, right? Inevitable question. Uh, how's it going, right? This question is especially asked when a person moves, like you moved. How's it going? I've already been asked that question quite a bit. And I give the stock answer. Oh, it's going great. It's going great. Thanks. Now, there is a special kind of pressure when you're the mover, when you have done the moving. Because you want to come back and tell this story of just how amazing it's been and how awesome it's been and fantastic it's been. And in my case, I'll get asked more specific questions like, how's the ministry going? And how's the church going? You did some teaching when you're here in Austin. You're doing some teaching there. And I want to show them a photo kind of like this of a recent, like, here's me teaching, right? <laughs> the spirit just came down in the form of a dove and is blessed. It's just been unbelievable. It's been amazing. And then someone will ask, you know, I know you had, like, great friends here in Austin, like soulmates and all that, and, um, you know. But, yeah, these are my, this is my small group, and uh, this is when we were at, at the, the Oscars together. 
And then someone will say, I remember how you used to like have adventure and you were on the lake and all and, and, and you were mountain biking. What, what are you doing in Chicago? And I'll be, oh, let me show you a video of this new thing I'm into with like motorcycles and stuff. And <laughs> it's just unbelievable. The fun, it's like fun on top of fun. Like God is so good and all that's going on. Now, that's the story I want to tell you today. That's what I want to report back. But unfortunately, it's not reality. Here's reality. The past three years have been the hardest three years of my adult life. They have been incredibly, incredibly challenging. Now, some of you hear that, and I suspect you think, you know, well, I I know why that is. Not long after we moved, the church that we moved to found itself in the news. Now, here's a little piece of reality. When CNN covers your church, it's not because last week's sermon was so good, okay? That's... That's not how this works. There's an ABC News truck in the parking lot. They're not talking about the fantastic children's program, right? It's just, it's different than that. And yes, it's true. It's been a challenging time for the church that I'm at. And yes, some of the high-profile challenges our church in Chicago has been through have been very hard and very hard on us, very hard on my family. But let me be honest with you today. Um, That's not what's made these the hardest years of our adult lives. Uh, The more significant piece, it's been far more personal than that. It would actually be easy for uh, me to hide behind the high-profile challenges that our church has been been at and say, yeah, that's kind of it. I'll I'll just kind of lump it all onto that. But that's that's not really reality. That would just be convenient. Truth be told, uh, yes, that's been hard, but it's not been the hardest of the hard. There have been far more personal challenges God has allowed in our lives that we've had to navigate. Now, one of the things I love about gateways, you can be vulnerable, you can be honest. So I'm going to be uh, somewhat vulnerable with you today and just t- t- tell you what's been going on. So uh, I've been promoted, I've been demoted. I've had doors open for me, I've had doors shut for me. I've seen God use us, but I've also been challenged and stretched because of times where I've been like the kid on the team who just wants someone to throw him the ball. Uh, it's been hard on us relationally. It's been hard on us vocationally. It's been hard on us financially. It's been hard in any other lee that you can think of. It's been hard. Uh, I've been blessed with a 26-year marriage. We love each other profoundly. Nothing can or will diminish that. But these three years have been tough on her and tough on us. Uh, counseling is now a very real item in our budget, which is a good thing. We're working through some good things in a good way, but it's been hard. Now, you hear all that, and you might be thinking, well, you must kind of regret that move then. Like, you stood up here three, three and a half years ago and talked about how, how God led you. You must realize now that you misheard God's voice. You must wonder why you did that. You must wish that you could roll the clock back and and, and do it differently because if God was really in that, this would be a different story. Well, this is where it gets a little interesting. I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say that there have been moments that I've asked those questions and wonder those things, but there's something I'm beginning to believe, and I'm beginning to believe this deeply with a great deal of conviction. And as much as these have been the hardest three years of our adult lives, I'm beginning to believe they will also prove to be the most important three years of our adult lives. And that's what I hope to better explain to you today. 
as where I've seen God in the midst of the pain. A few weeks ago, John reached out and said, hey, uh, we got a couple of uh, slots in, in June looking for someone to come in and teach. Would you be interested in teaching? I was like, well, what's the topic? He said, the payoff of pain. I was like, ha I got material for that one. That's, that's easy. Yeah, count, count me in. So here's what I want to do. I'm simply going to share three observations concerning the experience, our experience, and some of the payoff of pain. These three observations, they're going to lead to a passage of Scripture that I want us to kind of just let wash over us, kind of soak in. It's a little different than the way I typically do things. Typically, I kind of like to read a passage up front and kind of carry it with me throughout the whole message. I'm not going to do that today. Uh, Today, I'm just going to make these three observations and then bring us into that passage at the end because I want us to feel this passage even more than just understand it cognitively because it's a very important passage, but it's fairly easy to understand. Uh, I want it to speak to our hearts. So that's the plan. We'll see how it goes. So, So I mentioned our dog, Tex. Here's a photo of young Tex. There he is. Uh, he's possessed, so don't think he's that cute. <laughs> we actually bought Tex uh, from moving from Texas to Illinois as a gift to our kids to pacify the pain of that, and it worked actually kind of a little bit. Uh, recently, though, my daughter found Tex under her bed, and uh, some, he was acting kind of odd. He's normally out and about, running around, irritating me, all sorts of stuff. Uh, he's under the bed this time, and she pulls him out, and he's shivering, kind of quaking, and he's just not his normal self. So uh, Ellie called my wife, Deb, and in fairly short order, they were uh, uh, not just at the vet, but at the animal ER, because we like to do things in the most expensive way possible. <laughs> and so... Uh, $1,000 later, it turned out Tex had a virus that just needed to run its course, so we were grateful for that diagnosis. Um, but <laughs> in, the process, in the process, we did learn something. The doctor was examining Tex, and she's kind of pressing on different parts of his little body. And she gets to a point where she, she presses on a place in his back, and Tex kind of reels back and, and yelps. And so she kind of maneuvers again and presses again, and he flinches and, and, and kind of pulls back. This happens a couple of times. Uh, I want you to consider something. For Tex, the application of pressure, it didn't cause a problem. It revealed a problem. It showed us that there's something going on underneath the surface, something going on in his little life. Turns out Tex has back issues. He's long and he's fat and his back sags and it's causing back problems. Wonderful. Uh, you know, that's... You know, great, good to know. So, I want you to consider something. We often think pressure in our lives is a problem. Pressure is causing this problem. We're in the midst of something hard. This hard thing is causing problems in our lives. This hard thing is, is causing pain. We feel pressure in our lives and we cry out to God, God, please just take this pressure off me. Just get rid of this pain, and God gets that. But the reality is, just like the doctor, God has different goals. Yes, Tex wanted the pressure to, to stop. That doctor was, was using that pressure, though, for a purpose. She wanted to reveal something. So here's, here's the observation. For, from God's perspective, pressure or pain, uh, that's not the chief problem. Pressure and pain reveals problems. Pressure reveals things that are going on underneath the surface. Now, I want to be careful with this. When pressure is acute, 
when pressure is severe, the last thing you want to hear is, okay, let me tell you the purpose of this. That can be offensive to us. If over the past years you came into my office and said, let me tell you what's going on here. Here's the purpose of this. I probably would have thrown you out. Like I, that's not what I want to hear in the midst of that pain. Let me tell you, though, the absolute gift that I've received over the past three years. I have received the gift of intense pressure being put on me, being put on my family. And God, my doctor, has put pressure on my back, so to speak, and let me be fully honest. This dog yelped. This dog reacted. This dog didn't like that pain. And when I yelped, I wanted one thing. I've wanted the pressure to stop. I've wanted the pressure to go away. Take this pressure off of me. I don't like what's going on in our church at large. I don't like what's going on in my own personal experience. God, this pressure is on me, and it, it, it's too much. Uh, and here's what I've been slow to realize. And with the patience of my wife and uh, some friends and conversations and stuff, I've come to realize this. God wanted the pressure on me. God wanted the pressure on me. He was pressing down on me. And it's not because he doesn't love me that he's wanted that pressure on me. It's because he does love me that he's wanted that pressure on me. He's wanted to reveal some things in me, uncover some things in me, show where some things are off deep within me. Now, without a doubt, this question generates questions. Are you saying that the purpose of the hardship of my life is to reveal something about me? I want you to hear, no, that's not the case. You have to be careful when you claim to know the purpose of a hardship. That's in the danger zone. So I'm not claiming to know the purpose of hardship or the purpose of your hardship. What I am claiming is some of the profound benefit of that hardship, and that's a difference. That's a, that's a very important difference. So here's a way that I've learned to discern what's going on with a particular pressure in my life, and might there be a, a benefit from it? Might there be something I need to listen to and learn from in this? Consider this filter in our lives. Consider what would happen if we're curious when our reaction to pressure is disproportionate to reality. Okay, hear that again. Consider when our reaction to pressure is disproportionate to reality. What do I mean by that? Tex's reaction to the doctor pressing on him was disproportionate to a normal reaction pressing on other parts of his body. He might move and wiggle a little bit, but that part, it was di- he pinged. It was disproportionate. The dog yelped. That's something to be curious about. What's going on there? In my marriage, there have been times when my honest observation will be, yeah, Deb did something that frustrated me, or she did something that hurt me, or, or something like that, and I'll, I'll recognize that, and I'll see that. But, but the question I'll then ask is, why did my frustration or my hurt come in at eight when it should have come in at a four? Right? There's something disproportionate going on there that goes beyond, it transcends this particular situation. So what's going on in me? What can I be curious to learn about when there's a disproportionate reaction in me? Why'd the dog yelp? Or maybe something happens at work or I'm frustrated uh, with a particular decision that's made or a meeting that I'm in. And I might debrief that with a friend and that friend who knows me and loves me might say, yeah, I, I get it. I can see why you might be frustrated by that or hurt by that. I see all of that, but... Why'd the dog yelp? Why'd it come in at that level? It seems a little disproportionate. 
The wife says what she says. The husband does what he does. The boss changes something. The organization changes something. The church changes something. Yes, it it legitimately dings us or puts pressure on us. But is the reaction disproportionate to, to the reality of what happened? Why does that hurt me or frustrate me or provoke me as much as it does? There's something I've learned to be curious about, and it's also something I have to be dangerous honest with. What do I mean by that? I mean that the normal human reaction is to say, but I'm right. What she did was wrong. What they did was wrong. What happened there was wrong. I'm right. And here's the reality. That might be true. You might be right in a certain situation. But what's also true is that if our reaction has been disproportionate, it's revealing something. It's telling us something. It's something to be curious about, something to learn from. And if we don't discover what's truly going on, what's really going on under the skin there, then whatever that is not only has the possibility of repeating itself, but has the possibility of compounding and getting worse and blowing us out entirely. Let me be a bit vulnerable with this. Deb and I have been married 26 years. She's been the most stunning wife a man could ever have. Just extraordinarily grateful for her. Because of the pressure that I've been under, I'm discovering some things about me and more specifically about ways that I relate to her and have related to her over the decades and ways that, to be honest with you, that I've hurt her in my relationship with her. Now, you have to know that is scary to me. It's scary to me because That's the last thing I want to do. That's the last person I want to hurt. But it's also relieving and liberating and healing. Why? Because I don't want another 26 years of this. I don't want this to compound. I don't want to have a a major blowout. I I don't want to do damage. I don't want to have patterns in our lives that, that cause problems. I want to be free of those patterns. I want to be free of them for her. I want to be free of them for me. Like, Thank you, God, for the pressure to reveal some of these things because, you know, the the largest of things and the smallest of things can do considerable damage when they go unattended to. I'm in a small group with a group of guys. One of the guys showed up a week or two ago, and he talked about an argument that he got in with his wife the night before, and he gave us just a little bit of the detail. The detail didn't matter. What he said, though, was, he said, what I'm trying to figure out is, why did I get so triggered? Why did I get so angry? For, forget the details of, of the conversation for a moment. What, what was it about me that reacted so strongly to my wife? And it was an honest conversation. He's effectively asking, why did this dog yelp? This friend of mine was doing exactly what we all must do in this moment. He was curiously and courageously exploring his character and his wounds, and his framework of thinking, his motives, because his reaction to his wife, it was different than what it needed to be. And let me confess, I might be the most resistant person in the room to this. When when there's things going on in me, like questions being asked about me, I not only have a disproportionate reaction to the media, but a disproportionate reaction to being questioned. One of the things I realized in a conversation recently 
uh, was, I was uh, talking with my wife and a pastor friend of ours, and he was kind of helping us talk through some of these challenges and such, and I realized that uh, if someone questions my character, I have a response that is kind of a, how dare you question that about me? Now, I've taught messages on how we all have things we need to work on. You know, part of a church here, no perfect people allowed. That's all great. But when it's about me, that's when I react. That's disproportionate. When someone questions that, that's my response. Now, when I admitted that, I felt relief in my wife sitting next to me because she's experienced that for me. She's felt that for me. And my awareness of that gave her some confidence and some healing that some of those places were stretched where we've dinged each other, there's going to be be help in that. There's going to be healing in that. I could not only see this disproportionate reaction in me, but when I saw that sigh of relief, I realized, okay, this is, a, this is for real. This is something that I do need to work on. When it comes to problem areas of our lives, when it comes to weaknesses, defects, and flaws, let me give the second, second observation. We will defend the indefensible. We will defend the indefensible. You go up to a dog who has a problem with its back and you try to to work on that dog's back, you better muzzle that dog because you're going to get bit, right? That's a reality of that. The dog will defend the indefensible. Now, why is this important to recognize? It's important because it only goes to underscore the importance of pressure and the purpose of pain. What's 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 the person say? There's not a problem over here. Don't tell me there's a problem over here. This over here, underneath the covers there, it's just fine. Quit accusing me. Quit judging me. Quit asking questions about me. Leave this area alone. This is my area. Early into the last three years, this is being fully transparent with you, uh, I was given a circle of responsibility, right? Kind of circle about like this. Then that circle got a little bit bigger, a little bit more responsibility. Then the circle got very big quite a bit of responsibility. And one of the things that it exposed is that, uh, one, I should have had the courage to say no because the responsibility really just got too much. Uh, But it also exposed weaknesses in me. It exposed blind spots in me. It exposed things that I'm not good at. Uh, But I didn't recognize all of those things. Uh, You know, why? Why why not? Why would I get defensive? Uh, if you ever discover areas that you need work on or character issues or things you're not as good at, or there's something about defending the indefensible. Don't tell me I'm not good at this. Don't tell me I can't handle all this responsibility. Don't accuse me of those things. I can do this. Leave me alone. There's a defending of the indefensible. Now, here's where this is especially hard for me. My view of me and my view of God's view of me, it needed me to be good at these things. It needed me to to knock the top off these things because I'm kind of wrapped up in this kind of stuff. My identity is kind of wrapped up in this, my security even. To question me in these things, I found myself defending the indefensible. How dare you question these things about me? And yet the most beautiful and the most gracious thing happened in the midst of this. I discovered that I've had a false view of God's view of me of what I've needed to do to have his pleasure in me. And I've learned to let go of this false view. And as I've learned to let go of this false view, freedom has emerged. Peace has emerged. Still working this out. Joy has emerged. When we have belief systems in our lives, 
their perspectives, their ways of viewing ourselves, of ways of viewing God, just kind of these different structures that we build. Don't be surprised if God allows a certain degree of pressure to be put on those belief systems so that those belief systems will collapse because they're not doing us any good. They're not serving us. They're not serving our friendships. They're not serving our family. They're not serving our church. Those belief systems, they need to go away. And when it does, that's a gift. Guarantee it won't feel like one, but it's a gift. Mentioned our marriage. I'll I'll mention it again. It shows up in this category as well. You're married to somebody for 26 years. You think you've got this down. I'm pretty good at this marriage thing. And then you realize there's some blind spots that you've not only engaged, but that you've defended. What do you mean I'm not a good listener? I'm a great listener. I'm listening right now, right? What do you mean I'm I'm not listening? I listen all the time. I'm the best listener. And then the pressure comes. And the pressure forces you to learn some things, to reflect on some things, to journal about some things, to talk to a counselor about some things. And you come to realize, oh my goodness, I am that guy. I've tried to not be that guy. I defended the indefensible. I am not that guy. Don't don't tell me I'm that guy. I listen all the time. You realize there's been some patterns, some circles, and some cycles where you haven't been the listener that you need to be. Thank you, God, for this pain. This pain, it pales in comparison to the pain I will experience if these blind spots aren't addressed. I'll take this pain over that pain every day, all day long. Third observation. God has very different goals than we have. God has very different goals than we have. Let me draw two lines up here. These lines I call the lines of desire. So this first line would be God's desire for my life. This second line would be my desire for my life. Now, both these lines are going in the same direction. I I generally want what God wants for me. But his line is, is up here, and my line is down here. There are things that I want. Now, this this is where prayer comes in, right? Because the foolish amongst us think that this is what we do. We pray to bring God's line down to our line, right? Oh, God, please give me this. Please give me that. Please do this. Please do that for me. Oh, God, uh, you know, make me famous. And when I win the Super Bowl, I'll, I'll thank you publicly, right? Or, God, give me this deal. Give me this money. I'll give a bunch of it to the poor. Or, God, make that gal like me or that guy like me. We'll, we'll form a family. We'll go to church We'll we'll be a part of what you're doing. We're going to be a great family. That's what you want. Bring your line down to my line. Come down here with me. I've come to discover at least two things about these lines. First, God's line doesn't move. God's line doesn't move. He's called us to something. His desires are good and best and desirable for us. Second thing that I've come to realize, though, is this. It's pain and pressure that causes our life to move up to God's line and align with him. It's hardship, it's toil, it's pressure that we begin to realize this line right here is not all we thought it was. This line up here is exactly what we want, exactly where we long to be. If I were to put another word down here by by my line, it would be the word expectations. This line, it it represents my expectations. 
This what I think needs to be there for me to be alive, for me to have satisfaction, for me to do and be all I'm intended to do in this world, that my family must look this way, and my work must look this way, and my finances must look this way. And, and here's the dangerous thing about my particular line. Mine was my ministry must look this way. Well, why is that dangerous? It's dangerous because you can take worldly desires and baptize them and, and call them uh, different things to, to make them seem like, this is me really following God. This is re- really me doing my thing. This is me really doing what's best. You know, I'm doing your work, God. I'm doing what you want me to do. I've, I've given up this pursuit and that pr- pursuit. I, I'm in this for you, God. And he comes back and he just whispers, are you really? Is that really what's this about? Because it kind of feels like it might be about you right now. Then you get the question, you know, why are you so anxious? If this is really about me, you wouldn't be anxious because I'm going to fulfill my desires. Those are going to work out. If you're anxious, then maybe this isn't about me. One of the most liberating things that happened to me in recent years is hearing God whisper, uh, it wasn't me who created that line. You made that line up. That wasn't me. That's, that's your line. You can come up here on my line and be at peace with yourself. You can be at peace with yourself as much as I'm at peace with you. You can love yourself as much as I love you. You can rest in what I've done for you rather than be anxious about what you're supposedly attempting to do for yourself. I mentioned all this leads to a passage. I've held off, like I said, on reading this passage because I want you to feel it as much as I want you to hear it. It's brief. It's from 1 Peter. And it's uh, just a little bit of line, uh, or a few lines about God's perspective of when we are under pressure, when we are experiencing pain. I'm going to read it slowly, and as I do, I want you to hear God's love in this. Hear that very carefully. I want you to hear God's love for you in this. It's found in 1 Peter, where you've been throughout the series. 1 Peter 5.10. Speaking to those under pressure and in pain, we hear this. And the God of all grace, you hear that? The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast, all power to him forever and ever. Amen. I want you to hear that again. And the God of all grace, the God of love, the God who who gave his son for you, this God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, far greater than anything you could ever do or imagine here on this earth. After you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. All power to him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. One more time. And the God of all grace... Yeah, you can clap for that. Who called you to his eternal glory. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. All power to him forever and ever. And I love the final amen. This is truth. This is what you were created for. You weren't created for those, those bad patterns and bad habits and strongholds that get you tripped up and anxious and all confused and stuff. So yeah, he's going to allow some pressure in your life. And that pressure is going to not feel so good. 
And it's going to reveal some things about you submit those things to him. There's liberation and there's freedom and there's healing on the other side of this. And there will come a day when you go, yeah, that was the hardest season of my life, but it was the best season of my life. Thank you, God, for that pressure. Thank you, God, for that pain. Why? Because the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast, all power to him forever and ever. Amen. You know, it might sound a little silly, but when we put that pressure on our little dog, it's because we love him, because we want him to be okay. When God puts pressure on you and there's pain, and it's revealing things. It's the God of all grace, the God of all love, the God who's coming along beside you, who loves you enough to not let you live with things out of whack inside of you. He wants to heal you. He wants to free you. He wants to liberate you. That's the God of grace. Let's pray together. As I pray, I'd ask that you consider pressure in your life, pain in your life, and I ask you to be curious, God, what, where might this be disproportionate? Where might my reaction be disproportionate? It may not be. It might be right in line. But as you close your eyes and connect with God for a moment, what might this pressure potentially be revealing? Father in heaven, as individuals and as a community, we open ourselves up to you. And we look to you and God, we are honest. The pressure in our life, the pain in our life, we don't understand it. It's confusing and we're not going to try to attribute exact purpose and this is why this happened and this is why that happened. We don't know those answers. Those thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But God, we don't want to miss the opportunity of this pressure, of this pain. We don't want it to just be pain for pain's sake. We want to submit it to you and allow you to do your thing with this. And so, God, we look to you and we ask you for healing, for freedom, for liberation, for grace, for strength. Surround us with friends. Surround us with family. Surround us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to hear what we want to hear, or what we need to hear, see what we need to see, and do what we need to do. May we be fully surrendered to you. And, God, in that, we thank you, thank you, thank you that you love us enough to do what needs to be done to fully heal us, fully restore us, and fully set us free. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.